Okay, today's date is May 23rd, 2021. We're reading from the big book, uh, from the big book of OA, and we'll read the pages 96, beginning with Do Not Be Discouraged, up to and including page 99, If There Be Divorce. Um, our reader will be Sharon, followed by a 20-minute share by Carol. So, um, Sharon, would you please read the text? Thanks, Terry. Uh, Sharon W., gratefully recovered compulsive overeater in Southern California. Do not be discouraged if your prospect does not respond at once. Search out another alcoholic and try again. You are sure to find someone desperate enough to accept with eagerness what you offer. We find it a waste of time to keep chasing a man who cannot or will not work with you. If you leave such a person alone, he may soon become convinced that he cannot recover by himself. To spend too much time on any one situation is to deny some other alcoholic an opportunity to live and be happy. One of our fellowship failed entirely with his first half dozen prospects. He often says that if he had continued to work on them, he might have deprived many others who have since recovered of their chance. Suppose now you are making your second visit to a man. He has read this volume and says he is prepared to go through with the 12 steps of the program of recovery. Having had this experience yourself, you can give him much practical advice. Let him know you are available if he wishes to make a decision and tell his story, but do not insist upon it if he prefers to consult someone else. He may be broke and homeless. If he is, you may try to help him about getting a job or give him a little financial assistance, but you should not deprive your family or creditors of money they should have. Perhaps you'll want to take the man into your home for a few days, but be sure you use discretion. Be certain he'll be welcomed by your family and that he is not trying to impose upon you for money, connections, or shelter. Permit that and you only harm him. You'll be making it possible for him to be insincere. You may be aiding in his destruction rather than his recovery. Never avoid these responsibilities, but be sure you are doing the right thing if you assume them. Helping others is the foundation stone of your recovery. A kindly act once in a while isn't enough. You have to act the Good Samaritan every day if need be. It may mean the loss of many nights sleep, great interference with your pleasures, interruptions to your business. It may mean sharing your money in your home, counseling frantic wives and relatives, innumerable trips, innumerable trips to police courts, sanitariums, hospitals, jails, and asylums. Your telephone may jangle at any time of the day or night. Your wife may sometimes say she is neglected. A drunk may smash the furniture in your home or burn a mattress. You may have to fight with him if he is violent. Sometimes you will have to call a doctor and administer sedatives under his direction. Another time you may have to send for the police or an ambulance. Occasionally, you will have to meet such conditions. We seldom allow an alcoholic to live in our homes for a long at a time. It is not good for him, and it sometimes creates serious complications in a family. Though an alcoholic does not respond, there is no reason why you should neglect his family. You should continue to be friendly to them. The family should be offered your way of life. Should they accept and practice spiritual principles, there is a much better chance that the head of the family will recover. And even though he continues to drink, the family will find life more bearable. For the type of alcoholic who is able and willing to get well, little clarity in the order, ordinary sense of the word is needed or wanted. The men who cry for money and shelter before conquering alcohol are on the wrong track. Yet we do go to great extremes to provide each other with these very things when such action is warranted. This may seem inconsistent, but we think it is not. 
It is not the matter of giving that is in question, but when and how to give. That often makes the difference between failure and success. The minute we put our work on a service plane, the alcoholic commences to rely upon our assistance rather than upon God. He clamors for this or that, claiming he cannot master alcohol until his material needs are cared for. Nonsense. Some of us have taken very hard knocks to learn this truth. Job or no job, wife or no wife, we simply do not stop drinking so long as we place dependence upon other people ahead of dependence on God. Burn the idea into the conscience of every man that he can get well regardless of anyone. The only condition is that he trusts in God and clean house. Now the domestic problem. There may be divorce, separation, or just strange relations. When your prospect has made reparation as he can to his family and has thoroughly explained to them the new principles by which he is living, he should proceed to put those principles into action at home. That is, if he is lucky enough to have a home. Though his family be at fault in many respects, he should not be concerned about that. He should concentrate on his own spiritual demonstration. Argument and fault finding are to be avoided like the plague. In many homes, this is a difficult thing to do, but it must be done if any results are to be expected. If persisted in for a few months, the effect on a man's family is sure to be great. The most incompatible people discover they have a basis upon which they can meet. Little by little, the family may see their own defects and admit them. These can be discussed in an atmosphere of helpfulness and friendliness. After they have seen tangible results, the family will perhaps want to go along. These things will come to pass naturally and in good time provided, however, the alcoholic continues to demonstrate that he can be sober, considerate, and helpful, regardless of what anyone says or does. Of course, we all fall much below this standard many times, but we must try to repair the damage immediately lest we pay the penalty by a spree. If there be divorce or separation, there should be no undue haste for the couple to get together. The man should be sure of his recovery. The wife should fully understand his new way of life. If their old relationship is to be resumed, it must be on a better basis, since the former did not work. This means a new attitude and spirit all around. Sometimes it is to the best interests of all concerned that a couple remain apart. Obviously, no rule can be laid down. Let the alcoholic continue his program day by day. When the time for living together has come, it will be apparent to both parties. Thank you for Thank letting you. service. Thank you. Thank you, Sharon. Thank you for reading that text. Um, and today, Carol, who's a faithful servant to this meeting, is going to be our speaker. I'm very excited to hear her. Carol. Thank you. I'm going to start my timer. Thanks for having me. Um, you know, all those feelings you have when you look out into the room right now. Uh, so thanks for having me and thanks for giving me these pages to read. It's so funny when I read these pages, I'm often annoyed by them because I'm like, I'm not going to wrestle a sandwich out of somebody's mouth. Get out of here. I'm not going to like, you know, I'm not going to have to do this stuff. But of course, when you dive deeper into this stuff, you see, uh, or at least I see for myself, the, the real meaning. And the first paragraph, you know, my note to myself was let the words speak for themselves. That's not, you know, for me to decide, but but don't be discouraged if your prospect does not respond at once. Search out another and try again. You're sure to find someone desperate enough to accept with eagerness what you offer. And um, if you're a newcomer, I know this is about 
uh, step 12 and working with others, but there are messages in all of the steps, I think, for, for everybody of all levels. And, and this is something for me to remind myself that I need to work with someone who is accepting with eagerness what I have to offer. If I have to try to convince them or talk them into this, um, then maybe they're not ready. Maybe it's not time for them. One of the big things that I had to learn and in, in, or still learn, right? Everything I'm learning, I'm still learning because I'm certainly not perfect. And I don't, I'm not one of those people with like 12 or 20 or 10 or 15 years of abstinence. I've been in program a total of about a year. And um, I, I finished the steps last November um, and, and have been abstinent since I started working with uh, my sponsor. So, so take, take, you know, take that into account in my share is that I am not someone who has been here for 20 years. I'm not speaking from that perspective. I can only speak from my own perspective. And so I really try to turn everything about sponsorship over to my higher power, because you know what I do with relationships? I wreck them. Um, I'm mean, I'm bossy. I get nervous when I'm nervous, things come out very, very bitchy. I don't know what other word to use. Sorry. But, um, you know, I, and it, and it usually comes from a nervousness on my side and it just comes out not quite as I intend it. And maybe that is how I intend it. I honestly don't know sometimes because when I'm when I was in the food and stuff, I just don't know. But now I really try to just turn this all over to God. So I try to find people who are eager to do this, who are identifying as true compulsive eaters. And, and some people do give a lot of questions and, I, and I'll have to answer a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of questions. Um, um, but if they're doing the work and they're not like, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this, I, then that's fine. I'm happy to answer those questions. But, um, but then, you know, some people just don't do the work and it's not my job to, to make somebody do the work. Um, I just release them to the loving arms of their higher power because as we just read, um, I might be abating or, or helping in their um, destruction, you know, if I'm just enabling them and I'm just... Um, trying to convince them to do things my way because I think this is the right thing for them to do and that they should do it right now. I don't know. Maybe they have something else their higher power needs to show them first. So I really try to just, it's like the waves of the ocean. The people come and the people go. And if they're right, it sticks. And if it's not right together with us, and it doesn't mean that they messed up and it doesn't mean I messed up. It just means they're going to get their message somewhere else because I really not just my own higher power, they've got a higher power, right? Everybody's got a higher power. So I'm not stronger than my higher power and I'm not stronger than their higher power. So I don't need to cling to results and try to get people to do things the way I want when I want. Um, so if I leave them alone, they may soon become convinced that they can't recover by themselves. Um, and if I spend too much time, I'm denying another compulsive eater uh, the time that I could spend going through the steps with them. And I'm denying myself of that time. I need this time to go through the steps again and again and again. Cause like I said, I've only been around about a year. I'm just a baby. I need to keep going through this. And if I'm spending too much time talking and convincing, then I'm also not going through the steps with somebody and I need it as much, if not more than they do. So Suppose you're making your second visit. This just makes me think about, you know, I usually give someone the doctor's opinion and a few podcasts to listen to. And then we get together and we talk about red, yellow and green light foods. And we, we you know, talk about, do you really identify as this really speaking to you? Do you really think you're a true compulsive eater? You know, do you still think you have a, a diet idea? Because maybe you should go try that. I don't, I don't know what you're supposed to do. Um, and that kind of is what I, when I see the second approach is usually to me, that conversation we have after they've gone some time uh, with the, the doctor's opinion. So if he's broken, homeless, um, 
you know, I don't have to give people their rent. Um, but what I do here in these pages is a lot of higher power stuff. Um, we may not, and also it's the era of COVID. So we're even less in physical contact with people. It's even, even less likely that I'm, I'm going to actually physically touch another compulsive eater. But, but what this is telling me is that I, if I'm working with my higher power, then I'm open to whatever needs to happen today. And I don't know, maybe someday I will help somebody in a way described in this book. I'm definitely open to it if that's really what's going to help people. But the book is also super clear. You know, it says, um, where did I write it down? Uh, oh, yeah. When sex action is warranted, it's not a matter of giving, but when and how to give, be sure to use discretion. And it talks about that you're helping um, these extreme cases. Um, it says you wanna make sure the man who cry for money and shelter before conquering alcohol, they're on the wrong track. So conquering, what is conquering? It means to overcome a problem. So it, it's also talking about that sometimes when we give and go a little deeper, it's not somebody who's in the food and eating and we're just like handing out help, help, help willy nilly. It, it's that this is somebody who is really working hard to, to conquer and, and to get past the compulsive eating. And then there might be other things that might be appropriate, but only God can help me decide what is appropriate in my giving and how to give and and what ways are going to be helpful to the person and not you know enabling them to just continue doing what they're doing i mean i look at this and it makes me think you know if these guys can wrestle an alcoholic well i can surely expect someone to be on time even though it's uncomfortable to say hey you were like 10 minutes late and you're gonna have to be on time in the future and that might feel uncomfortable for me but if not then i'm just you know co-signing their bullshit as I've heard people say it's not a phrase I normally use but but it's up to me to also um just set some healthy boundaries and and release it and just kind of say them lovingly so so I whenever there's something difficult for me to say I just think well I'm not wrestling a guy in a bed who's burning like my house down I just need to tell them that they need to be on time and that's just kind of life and and sometimes that doesn't work for them. And then I think, well, maybe my only purpose here was to let them know that future sponsors are going to expect them to be on time. And maybe that's the whole purpose that I serve. Um, so let's keep going here on page 97. Um, so never avoid these responsibilities, but be sure you're doing the right thing if you assume them. So that is another reason I want to stay in contact with a higher power because there's a lot of things when working with other people and you guys have heard me share I'm a bit of an Oxford group nerd and I read a lot of those books and those books were all about one on one working with other people out of the pulpit into the pews going and working with changing the world changing everything around us one person at a time and they really felt that you you really helped a lot more people by taught working with individuals rather than a big big group. And, um, and I have found that to be true also in this work. Um, helping others is the foundation, foundation stone of my recovery. So this is when I feel the best, I'll be honest, is when I'm working with another compulsive eater and just going through the big book. It, it's funny, I, you know, I have a kid, you've seen my kid. Um, there's a lot going on. It's amazing how I can have no job and be so busy just because of recovery and program and talking to people and meetings and service positions. And the one time in my day where everything just calms and slows down is when I'm going through uh, the big book with a fellow compulsive eater. And this talks about here, um, 
uh, that a kindly act once in a while isn't enough. I have to act the Good Samaritan every day if need be. And that tells me also that I need to do it not just with my program fellows, but with everybody around me, with the world around me. You know, I need to be kind to my husband, to my child, to, you know, the people on the street, um, to just everyone around me. I need to work these principles into every part of my life. Um, and your telephone may jangle at any time, day or night. My phone rang at 2.30 in the morning last week. It was someone in the UK who obviously didn't know how to do the time conversion. Uh, and this was before, you know, we had cell phones that we just set to silent and go to bed. But the great thing about um, modern recovery is that I know that these people can reach somebody any time of day or night. We're all over the world. There are these WhatsApp groups. I have phone numbers of compulsive eaters in Greece, Italy, you know, the UK, America, New Zealand, Australia, and pretty much 24 hours a day, it would be a decent time for me to call just about anybody. And, and the same if you're here and you're worried and you have like trouble with like night eating or something like that, just get involved in some of these groups and start collecting phone numbers. There's people all over the world that would love to talk to you. Um, people in New Zealand and Australia are still sleeping. It's, it's the middle of the night for them and they're gonna be waking up soon. And when it's late at night for me, it's their morning. So, you know, I can reach these people and they can reach and you can reach other people, you know, pretty much any time of the day or night. Um, your wife may sometimes feel neglected. I don't know if he, my husband hasn't really said that, but, but he does want me to keep working this. I'll tell you that. Like um, anytime he suggests something and I go, well, but then this might happen or, you know, oh, why can't you have one of these? And I go, well, I could have one of those. I, yes, but this is probably what's going to happen. I'm probably going to slowly start eating more food that isn't in my plan and isn't on my thing. And then I'm going to start gaining weight and then I'm going to start lying and then I'm going to leave program and then I'm going to gain my hundred pounds back. And he's like, oh yeah, never mind, Don't do it. So I just try to paint a picture for him of what it looks like. Cause for him, he doesn't see, you know, he thinks it's a cupcake, right? It's just a cupcake to him. He is not a compulsive eater in any way. There is some cake in the freezer. It's been there for a few weeks. I'm very aware of it. He is not aware it's even there anymore. I will have to remind him later. But, um, but I have to then just slowly kind of paint a picture for him. And this talks about dealing with the family and I need to kind of try to paint pictures for my family to explain what's going on with me. He's also an atheist. So, you know, we were in the car talking about higher power stuff and, and he's like, well, I don't. And I said, well, we have a lot of atheists in program. And, and he said, well, I don't understand that. How can they do that? And I said, well, you know, the big book talks about your higher power being the flow of life. And we were in traffic at the time. And I said, you know, you see all these cars in front of us and behind us. Yes. Well, if I slam my car in reverse, we're going to hit someone, right? We're going to be going against the flow and that's going to cause problems. And we're going to have to exchange information and we're going to have to have the car in the shop. Yeah. If I slam on the gas, I'm going to hit someone in front of me. Right. And that's going to be the same thing. The car's going to go to the shop. We're going to have a lot of problems. We're going to have to have a rental car, fix things up, pay everybody back. And so sometimes, you know, it's just the flow of life. And that's how I look at, you know, also explaining things to a newcomer. Some of these people have a lot of a uh, 12-step experience. Some don't even know what a 12-step program is. They've never heard of it. It's just totally foreign to them. And so these pages, I know it talks about dealing with the family, but I also look at it, you know, dealing with my family and also dealing with some newcomers who have come in and just really don't know anything about program and you get to be the one to share your experience strength and hope from your perspective um so again it kind of gets into the smashing of the furniture and stuff which i haven't had but you know what 
we'll see. We'll see with time. Who am I? I never would have thought I'd be sitting here right now. So we'll see what happens in the future. Um, you know, and where this stuff kind of goes. The thing is that I used to look at this and go, well, this is bull. I'm not, you know, this is baloney. I'm going to just skip these pages because they don't pertain to me. But what they really say to me is just be in contact with your higher power and be ready at any time to do whatever is needed. And that it could go that far. Your higher power might need you to do something like that. And maybe not, but, but at least I know in my mind that it, I, I'm just ready to do anything right now. Um, seldom allow them to live in our homes. Though the alcoholic does not respond, there's no reason why you should neglect his family. I haven't had to talk to other people's families very much, but I'll tell you, I had a friend in program die a few weeks ago, and I did get to talk to several friends and members of the family, and they were all involved in 12-step programs, and it was a really beautiful thing to see them all coming together and um, having this common bond and this common language to, to discuss the matter and just life in general. So for the type of al alcoholic who is able and willing to get well, little charity in the ordinary sense of the word is needed or wanted, the men who cry for money or shelter before conquering alcohol. And I mentioned that before, I had to look up conquering. What does it mean? It means they overcame the problem. It means the problem is gone. So yeah, man, if I had a fellow who needed something, I have friends here in the UK and stuff. If Rita got sick, I'd be on a plane going to the UK right now. That's not something I would normally do, right? Um, but there are people in program that I do feel very close with and I honestly would do whatever I could to, to help them if they needed it and be there um, for them, you know, in the capacities that I can. There's other things, you know, you have to take into account. I have a husband, I have a kid. Everyone's gotta be on board when I do. I don't just make decisions myself and say, screw everybody else now, because I used to just think of myself. Now I have to be pretty low on the totem pole of who to consider when going forward. I have a child who really needs me and I have a, a man who cares for me and takes great care of me. And I need to give him the same consideration in all of this. Um, so it's not a matter of giving that is in question, but when and how to give that often makes the difference between failure and success. The minute we put our work on a service plane and the service plane is, you know, services when you're doing it for someone else, I'm doing this for someone else. I'm doing it for them, but I'm doing it for God. That's who I'm serving when I do this work is I'm doing it for God. Um, and I see, I only have five minutes left. So I'm going to speed a little uh, forward through these last couple of pages here. Um, this paragraph here, some of us have taken hard knocks to learn the truth, job or no job, wife or no wife, as my sponsor said, sponsor or no sponsor. Um, we simply do not drink so long as we place dependence on others. Uh, are we, wait, stop drinking. We do not stop drinking as long as we place dependence on other people ahead of our dependence on God. And I need to live my life on God's terms and not other people. I need to stop worrying what other people care about me or think about me. Because the truth is, if I'm living the principles of this program, well, first of all, most people don't think of me as I'm reminded constantly, but no one's going to think anything bad of me if I'm living this life the way I'm supposed to. Um, and doing what I'm supposed to do. You know, for me, my disease is in all the gray areas. And so things just kind of become pretty black and white. And if anything's gray for too long, it becomes incredibly uncomfortable to where I have to address it. And, um, you know, the best thing I can do is introduce somebody to their higher power, because the truth is, it doesn't matter what my sponsor does or doesn't say, or did or didn't say or whatever. It's like, once once I started having like a two-way communication with God, God has been guiding me. And when I'm not in line with God's will, 
I become so it's like walking on coals, you know, you get up to go to the bathroom and I can't get back to sleep because I'm thinking about this thing. Oh man. Oh man. I got, you know what I need? I got to get up and do a 10 step first thing. And someone had to teach me that recently in program, like, just do it. You got to give it up. If it's bothering me and upsetting me, I got to turn that over right away. There's a part of me that just loves to sit and toil in the pain and the suffering and the, the you know, like, Oh, me, me, you know, it's just crazy. I'm a crazy person. I, I always tell my sponsees, I hope you get way more recovered than me. I am not the goal to aim for. Please aim much higher than me. Aim for the moon. <laughs> I, I am a disaster sometimes. Um, now the domestic problem, there may be divorce, there may be separation, strain, all of that stuff. The stuff that these pages are telling me um, are really that God's got this and God's got it under control. And that if I'm listening to God's words, it's not it's not unclear when God talks, things are very, very, very clear. And I've had people say, oh, you know, you start to say, my daughter's fat, she needs to do this. And I'm like, well, why don't you just do it? Why don't you just do it for now? Why don't you just do it for a couple of years and see how your family feels about it? Maybe she'll feel differently. I know when I was a teenager, if someone, you know, anytime my mom said, you're eating too much, I would eat right at her. I'd pour another bowl of cereal right in her face and eat it right at her. Like you can't, control other people. I can't control other people. I have friends who desperately need this program. And you know what? I've, you know, it's God's will. They'll find it or they won't. I, they know about it. I've certainly invited them to things, but I can't keep pushing it or else I'm just going to turn them off. And when I try to push people, I do more damage than I do good. Um, so after they've seen tangible results, the family will perhaps go along. Um, maybe they'll just see some recovery. Maybe they'll get into Al-Anon or whatever program appeals to them. Who knows? I can't imagine a world without 12 step programs. I don't like, I literally feel like this book was written for me with me in mind. <laughs> like he was thinking of me. Um, and that just goes to show how much so many of us have in common. And this last paragraph is I have one minute left for my 20 minute share. Um, this last paragraph really, really tells me that with God, there is just no confusing, you know, this, this is referring to a relationship where the couple is split up and, you know, just let it be Carol, let it be when it's time to take action. It will be clear. I don't need to change things. I don't need to change relationships, force things to be in a certain way. When the time for living together has come, it will be apparent to both parties. And that just tells me it's going to be whatever the decision on whatever the thing is that I'm trying to figure out when the decision comes and I'm in line with my higher power, it's going to be clear. It's just going to be clear when I am in two way communication with my higher power and I'm listening. Um, it's not, I'm not confused. I'm not, you know, looking for answers. The answer will just come if I stop struggling and trying to force it. And that to me is just such a beautiful way to end it is that, you know, when I need to know the direction to go, when I need to know what's supposed to happen next, I need to just sit back, relax, do my 12 step work, work with other people. And when I do that, the answer always comes and it's clear and it's not confusing. And I'm not wondering if I'm making the right decision because it's not my decision. It's not my decision. I think you've all heard me say, I remember early in program, someone said, I like to wake up and invite God into my day. And I was like, I'm going to do that. <laughs>
God, welcome to my day. And God was like, you knucklehead, this is my day. How about you ask permission to come into my day? I made this day. You can join me in my day. And I was like, oh man, you're so right, God. Can I come into your day? So now I always wake up and I ask God if I can have permission to come into his day and hang out with him in his house with his books and drink his coffee. And so thanks very much. And I look forward to all of your shares. Thank you so much, Carol. Thanks for widening our understanding of those pages. That was a great share.